0: I'm John Cottrell with T3 Ranch in Rosenberg, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today.
1: Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin.
2: Hello Texas, it is always great to have you along for another episode of Texas Ag Today. All you've gotta do is jump on in with me and buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, texas agriculture in the news today the latest texas crop progress and condition report is out it shows texas wheat harvest now three quarters done it also shows good looking corn and milo crops here in texas but that's not necessarily the case for cotton we'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show my name is carrie martin i'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the lone star state And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to
0: the Rio Grande Valley. It's a hard time right now for the dairy business, but new dairy plants opening in the Texas High Plains are helping our state's producers. I'm James Hunt, and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today
3: farm bill priorities for the South Texas Cotton and Grains Association. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have more from the executive director of that association on Texas Ag today. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife
2: news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Wheat harvest is winding down, spring planting about wrapped up, and harvest is now underway in South Texas. This week's USDA crop progress and condition report is out. It shows wheat harvest now 75% here in Texas. That is right on pace with the five-year average. Corn crop looking great in the crop condition report. A big 63% of the corn crop is in good to excellent condition. 29% is rated fair, and only 6% in the poor to very poor categories. Now, unfortunately, we can't say the same for cotton. Cotton crop ratings are kind of all over the place. We had a lot of weather-interrupted planting this year, and that really made for some staggered development in this cotton crop. Right now, USDA is saying that 32% of the cotton crop is rated good to excellent, 38% rated fair, and 30% of the crop rated poor to very poor. The Texas sorghum crop also looking good this year, 57% of the crop in the good to excellent categories, 35% rated fair, and only 8% of the sorghum rated poor to very poor. And if you have a good sorghum crop, you may want to consider entering the National Sorghum Yield Contest.
4: National Sorghum Producers is now accepting entries for the 2023 National Sorghum Yield Contest. The goal of the contest is to improve yields, share knowledge between growers, identify top sorghum growers in each state, and recognize those with outstanding yields. There are east and west regions for each division, irrigated, dryland no-till, dryland tillage, and food grade. The deadline for NSP members to enter is November 15th. The state and national winners will be recognized at the 2024 Commodity Classic in Houston. The contest rules and registration are available at sorghumgrowers.com. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel.
2: Great spring rains have really turned things around here in Texas for spring-planted crops. However, it's also given a big boost to weeds, according to Adam Hickson with BASF in Lubbock.
5: I just cannot believe the amount of weed pressure that is out there. Last year, coming off of a pretty dry year in 2022, I think a lot of those seeds just sat there and were waiting for moisture. And they found the moisture this year, and I have seen some fields that are just absolutely covered uh, in weeds, especially in those areas where maybe you didn't get a chance to get a residual herbicide out there. And so that, that's my lead recommendation. I mean, get your residual herbicide out there.
2: BASF agronomist Adam Hickson. This is a hard time for the Texas dairy industry, but James Hunt tells us new dairy plants opening on the Texas High Plains will be helping the situation.
0: A quick look at dairy prices will show you that things have gotten pretty tough for producers. In recent days, the July futures price for the all-important Class 3 milk has been running a little above $14 per hundredweight. That's roughly $8 below where the price was a year ago. Darren Turley is the executive director of the Texas Association of Dairymen. He says the price slump largely relates to supply and demand. We have had the entire nation basically get full of milk, get full
6: of supply. Uh, haven't seen a lot of new plant growth in most of the country, and so that has led to a kind of a downturn in pricing.
0: But Turley says milk producers in Texas are on the more fortunate side because we are opening new processing plants in our state, there is, of course, the Cacique plant, which began operations in Amarillo last month, and another plant will be opening in Lubbock in the not-too-distant future. We have the Loprino
6: plant that probably will be the very end of the year, first of next year, it uh, looks like, depending on kind of how things progress, but they're going to be closer to the end of the year having it completed. And so having that new market is huge to help Texas dairy producers.
0: The opening of new plants is good news, but at the same time, there is some attrition and consolidation going on across the state. Turley says he knows of some dairies that are up for sale in Central Texas, but he's not aware of any that are on the market in the Texas panhandle. Now, on another dairy industry note, Texas A&M AgriLife has announced that the 2023 Southwest Dairy Day will take place on October 18th in the Bovina area. The free event will highlight cutting-edge technologies. Contact AgriLife for more information. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. South
2: Texas cotton and grain farmers have several priorities for the 2023 Farm Bill. Tom Nicoletti reports from a field day in southeast Texas.
3: My guest is Jeff Nunley. He is executive director of the South Texas Cotton and Grains Association and met up with him recently uh, at a field day in southeast Texas. And Jeff, you told the farmers here what uh, is going on in Washington in regards to the 2023 Farm Bill. And uh, certainly crop insurance commodity uh, programs and conservation programs are uh, really what they're looking for as far as getting additional funding when the Farm Bill is rewritten.
7: I think if you look at the last couple of years and the amount of ad hoc disaster Type programs that we've had. I think the thing that that points to is that our safety net isn't as strong as it needs to be to be able to support agriculture. So all of us have been looking at ways to improve the safety net to help support agriculture. In April, when The Congress had hearings on Farm Bill. Our commodity groups all weighed in on things that we needed to improve, and I think there was common ground on increasing reference prices, making sure we maintain and strengthen crop insurance. Conservation is another leg of that three-legged stool. So Right now, I think the discussions are talking in broader terms on things that we need, and then as we come back later in the year, as this process uh, goes on, we'll start adding some specifics on how we design these programs. From your discussions uh, with uh,
3: those in Washington uh, on the Hill, how confident are you that uh, a new farm bill will be written before the September 30th deadline?
7: I'm not going to give odds on it being written by September 30th. That actually would be very ambitious, I think. And I would prefer it to be extended and have a good farm bill rather than rush and, and pass something that wasn't effective as a safety net for producers.
3: That's Jeff Nunley. He is executive director of South Texas Cotton and Grains Association. I'm Tom Nicoletti at the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
2: The summer grilling season is now in full swing and beef is once again in the spotlight. Gary Joyner has more. I'm in San Marcos, and I'm pleased to be joined today by the Executive Vice President of the Texas Beef Council, Molly McAdams. And Texas beef right now, strong demand for Texas beef. People are looking for that as we get into the summer cooking schedule.
8: Yeah, beef demand has been really strong, uh, really even going through COVID and coming out of it. Um, I think we saw some permanent changes in consumer behavior that has really been propping up demand even in light of some exceptionally high beef prices at retail. Consumers are still choosing to cook at home um, and that was a habit that they revisited because they couldn't go to restaurants during the pandemic. So it's all good for us. What happens when people cook at home is the majority of their meals will contain meat. And so the more that we can do to continue to build consumer confidence in our product and beef and show them the versatility, the nutrition, and the power of our bioavailable protein, that all comes together when people want to cook at home. And that's good for beef demand.
2: What is some of your research showing in terms of preferences? What type of meat uh, cuts, uh, style are they looking for?
8: You know, it's funny, uh, and it's a good thing for us, is ground beef just does not go out of style. Um, So we really saw things like um, shepherd's pie, which is such an old-fashioned and such a traditional dish, but we really saw where a lot of people were searching for products or for recipes like that. Um, The other big kind of category that consumers cannot get enough of is barbecue, mm. um, but that's tougher. There's a little bit more technicality in terms of how you really do a good job um, you know, smoking a brisket, and so they're leaning on us for advice and recipes of how to be successful if they want to barbecue themselves. Um, You know, I'd say the other category, though, it's always going to be around comfort food. We still see a lot of people searching our recipe database for things like pot roasts. Um, And that's good, because right now they do need to save some money, um, and they're looking for value. And those are three categories where you can really get value out of the beef that you're buying at retail.
2: That's Molly McAdams, Executive Vice President of the Texas Beef Council in San Marcos. I'm Gary Joyner with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
4: Registration is underway for Wildlife 2023. I'm Jessica Dommel, and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag Today.
2: And horses with insulin problems require diets low in carbohydrates. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Why do you listen?
1: I listen to radio to stay up on news, weather, current events around the local community.
4: It keeps me up to date with everything going on in the world.
3: It kind of just takes my mind off of the drive, getting some relevant information that's in time.
8: It's always nice to know what's going on. Okay, what can I do? Well, I'll listen to the what's coming up, and you can plan your day.
2: Why do you listen? Go to whyilisten.com, tell us why you listen, and you have a chance to win $500. Visit whyilisten.com today.
1: We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today.
2: Horses with insulin problems require diets low in carbohydrates. But Dr. Bob Judd says that does not mean the diet is the
9: same for every horse. A diet for horses with insulin dysregulation should be low in non-structural carbohydrates that include starch and water-soluble carbohydrates like simple sugars and fructans. However, all horses with insulin dysregulation, or ID, do not respond the same to these diets, so each horse must be fed as an individual. Dr. P.A. Harris with Waltham indicates that the first thing to do is remove all cereal and cereal-based foods. The goal is to produce a low insulin response in the horses after eating, and Dr. Harris performed a study with other researchers from the University of Kentucky that showed some horses still had exaggerated insulin responses, even on very small amounts of non-structural carbohydrates, or NSCs. We typically recommend these horses be fed diets with less than 10% NSC, but that may not be low enough for some horses. So if you're feeding a horse with insulin dysregulation, having your vet test the horse for insulin response after feeding is a good idea. Some horses do not need as low NSC level as others, so testing these horses' response to their diet is important. Many of these horses cannot graze on pasture due to the high sugar content in rapidly growing pasture grass, especially in the spring as laminitis can develop. Some can graze certain times of the year wearing a grazing muzzle. and If you are going to allow these horses to graze, early morning turnout is recommended as the sugar levels in the grass are less. These horses should be removed from pasture by mid-morning. Soaking the hay can decrease NSC levels, but the amount of decrease is variable. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
2: Registration is underway for Wildlife 2023. Jessica Domel tells exactly what that is in today's Wildlife Report.
4: Registration is now underway for an event celebrating 38 years of promoting effective habitat conservation and responsible hunting through private land stewardship. The Texas Wildlife Association's annual convention. Wildlife 2023 will be July 13th through the 16th in San Antonio. Andrew Earl, TWA's Director of Conservation, joins us with more.
5: Wildlife 2023 is our annual convention held down at the San Antonio Hill Country Marriott. It is a wonderful opportunity for TWA members to get together, learn about some of the interesting stuff that's happening around the state in the world of conservation and network and celebrate our mission of conservation.
4: The event will include an auction with once-in-a-lifetime opportunities up for bid, a private land summit, and a variety of educational seminars.
5: Our convention kicks off on Thursday the 13th with our 10th annual private land summit and that runs from nine to four and includes a full slate of speakers on emerging wildlife issues around the state of Texas. This year's theme is innovative solutions to complex conservation challenges and so we're going to have panel discussions on all things from feral hog management and ocelot recovery to workforce development and responsible energy development. And actually the program is going to close that afternoon with the East Foundation's three-minute thesis competition. So they're gonna have graduate students up there on stage distilling their research work down into three-minute speeches. That'll be voted on and then a big check will be given out at the end of the day.
4: You can register at texas-wildlife.org. That is texas-wildlife.org. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel.
2: It is time to check the markets. We'll look at all the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today.
7: Why do you listen? Anytime I'm talking to a friend about new music and I don't know what it is, it's probably because they were listening to radio and I was.
3: I'm nosy. I like to know what's going on, and radio usually is right there telling me what and when is going on and where it's going on. Oh,
5: listen in the barn, skid loader, tractor, and just about anywhere you can.
0: When you put the lights on on the barn, the radio went on.
2: Why do you listen? Go to whyilisten.com, tell us why you listen, and you have a chance to
7: win $500. Visit whyilisten.com today.
1: The
2: cattle market climbed higher on Wednesday, support coming once again from a big drop in the corn market. Both live and feeder cattle moving higher in Wednesday's trade. June live cattle up 32 cents, 1.7962. The August up a $1. dollar 37, 1.7387. October live cattle up 95 cents at 1.7702. On the feeder market, August feeders up a dollar 75 to 4025. September feeder cattle up a dollar seventy-five at two forty-three seventy-two. The October up a dollar sixty-five, two forty-five ninety-seven. Cash fed cattle market still mostly quiet for the week. We did see some early week sales in Kansas at one seventy eight. On Wednesday we had bids in Nebraska from one hundred seventy nine to one hundred eighty one. In Texas also had a bid offered of one hundred seventy nine, but no sales to report so far. Boxed beef prices lower Wednesday choice down a dollar eight, three hundred twenty eight fifteen. Select down forty four cents at two hundred ninety seven ninety nine. Now let's check those auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble
7: my guest today seth crane union commission hondo livestock he and his dad butter own and operate hondo livestock they sell every monday seth how was this last monday sale son
6: i uh, ended up with right at 300 head of cattle probably didn't have the 25 or 30 cows at packer cow mobile i was at what we had the last couple of weeks sell the packer cows today anywhere from 61 to 85 kind of lower yielding cow up to a dollar eight on our really top cow had one exceptional cow at a dollar ten uh didn't have anything in the weight of pairs, and a few bred cows from eight fifty to 1275 I uh, did sell some replacement bulls up there pretty close to $130 today. Uh, bulls weighing $1,500, uh, 1600 Calf and yearning deal, that whole thing continues to be really good. Uh, this cattle dollar now lots of money, especially the front end of the cattle, and, and some of these planter calves are catching up as well. But it's a really good market. Uh, you'd sell those light calves anywhere on those steers from two twenty all the way up to two ninety. Uh heifers kind of the same deal from dollar ninety five all the way up to two seventy, getting in some of those heavier cattle, those big heifers and stuff. Uh Big efforts you kind of bring anywhere from $1.85 all the way up to 2 dollars $2. Um, On them five-way kind of calves, anywhere up to two forty dollars 40 almost really good steers, 2 50 on a couple. So, like I say, really good sale. Uh, no sale next week, and our next sale will be July the 10th. Uh, in the meantime, if we can help you, feel free to reach us, 830 741 me on my cell phone, 210-288-3960.
7: And for updates and information, visit us on Facebook or HondoLivestock.com. Seth Crane, Union Commission, Hondo Livestock there in Hondo, Texas. Thanks so much for being on Walking the Pins from the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Me, I'm Larry Marble. I'm your host each day, Monday through Friday. You're listening to us right now on Texas Ag Today.
2: Back over to the futures market now. Our lean hogs finished slightly higher on Wednesday. July hogs up 15 cents, 94.27 The August up a nickel, ninety one ten. Class three milk was mixed, June milk down a penny, fourteen ninety one a hundred weight, with July milk up a penny, fourteen thirty six a hundred. The cotton market managed to close higher, traders positioning themselves ahead of this week's weekly export sales report. Also, we've got USDA's planted acreage report coming on Friday, so getting ready for that as well. And continuing to watch the weather forecast for West Texas. It looks like the one to five day forecast for West Texas suggesting light to moderate rains, temperatures expected to be near normal to above normal. October cotton up 157 points. Wednesday closing at 7,808. December cotton up 30 at 7,736. Now, we mentioned that big drop in the corn market. Corn continuing to trade the Midwest weather forecast. And as of Wednesday, the forecast looking a little better. Increased chances of rain in the forecast for the next 5 days and well into the month of July. So that caused the market to take a big drop. July corn down 33 cents at 5.90 a bushel, September down 25, 5.31 and a quarter, December corn down 24 and a quarter at 5.36 and 3 quarters. The corn market dragged the wheat market down with it like it's been doing for the last week or so. July Kansas City wheat down 37 cents at $8 and 3 quarters of a cent. July Chicago wheat down twenty-nine and a quarter, six fifty-five and three quarters. In the energy markets, August Natural Gas down eleven cents Wednesday at two sixty-seven. August West Texas crude up a dollar 27 a barrel. The financial markets mixed Wednesday afternoon. The Dow down 125 points, 33,801. The Nasdaq up fifteen, thirteen thousand five seventy one. The S&P down seven at 4,370. That wraps up our look at the markets and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state
1: in the U.S. of A, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify.